Hello, Devils fans. Welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Roselle, and I'm joined by John Fisher. And today we have no games to recap, but it's been a bit since our last episode, and a few things have happened in regards to our New Jersey Devils. Uh, I'm unfortunately sitting at home with COVID, uh, much like all the great athletes of our era. Uh, you know, I'm in the protocols now, but um, can report everything is fine luckily thank god for all the advances in science that we've made anyway john you're not sitting at home with covid or maybe you are i am Um, not okay so there you go but this has been you know despite the fact that the nhl playoffs don't really involve the new jersey devils as of recent history there's still plenty of things that happen around the team that you know makes us pay attention to what's going on and there's a few things that developed over the last couple of weeks and i want to start um, with where you suggested we start before recording this episode, but Tom Fitzgerald's presser at the end of the season. We had talked about um, how several of the players had lent their backing towards Lindy Ruff. They'd talked about Nazardine. Obviously, that didn't matter because Nazardine and Recky were let go. But we didn't hear from Tom Fitzgerald at the time when we recorded our last podcast. So why don't you break down kind of the highlights of his uh, end of year recap? Right. So, um... They did state during the Lindy Ruff press conference, various people who attended the breakdown session did say that Tom Fitzgerald was scheduled to speak, quote, by the end of the week, which meant uh, Thursday, May 5th at 11 a.m. He showed up on time and spoke. He spoke quite a bit about a lot of different things. So um, let me jump first about some of the smaller bits and then we'll talk about the bigger the bigger uh, takeaway uh, from the press conference. First, uh, Shakir Muhammadulin, whom the Devils signed uh, and loaned back to UFA for the season. He is now with Utica. They were able to secure his visa. They were in the process of bringing him over. He is officially a Utica Comet right now. Uh, Utica's literally in their playoffs right now. I would not recommend putting the guy coming in into the KHL who may or may not know English even to go play. But he's different, with the Comets. A different ice surface, right? Like different yep. size ice surface. I'm not sure. The KHL has different size ranks for certain teams. Interesting. Yeah. But in any case, uh, Muhammadulin, he's now in North America. Um, he'll be secured for that. So that's that. That's uh, good. By the way, I just want to say, like, we weren't positive that that was going to happen, given the situation with everything going on. So this is good to see that a devil... Uh, first round pick actually gets to come to North America here. Certainly uh, other player bits before I get into the bigger talk about Lindy Ruff or the lack thereof. Uh, Fitzgerald said he didn't know if Jonathan Bernier will realistically be ready for the start of next season. He explicitly stated he wants competition and goal for next season with respect to Mackenzie Blackwood quote Tom Fitzgerald per Neil McHale quote, there is still a lot of improvement. We're trying to support him in what we in what we needed over the last two years. It's important. There's a clean slate right now. We just want him to be 100 <laughs> percent. The response to this. Um, <laughs> so this this press conference got discussed at length by uh, uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on the 32 Thoughts podcast on Sportsnet. And they were they pointed out that Blackwood and the New Jersey Devils organization have kind of went through some tough times during the season between the vaccination the whole heel issue, the season as a whole. So the, the fact that Fitzgerald is talking about a clean slate suggests that on Fitzgerald, then he's willing to let bygones be bygones, which is probably for the best. Mm-hmm. Whether or not Blackwood and his new agent agree with that, we shall see. But I don't the fact know that, that it matters either. 
Yeah, exactly. Because the fact that he's already said that he doesn't think Bernier is coming back and already said he wants competition and that some plot pretty much is a giant sign that Fitzgerald is going to get a goaltender somehow, some way uh, this offseason. Yeah, and, like exactly that. That's exactly like it doesn't really matter if Blackwood's happy anymore because it, I don't know how much of a priority the devils are putting on him. Like clean slate feels like, let's just forget the fact that we are all mad at each other, but like, we're still not convinced that you're the guy because they put themselves essentially in the same position they were in to start this season, just without the whole vaccine controversy. Right. Which ultimately ended up being a big fat, nothing. Cause he got the shot and he was able to play in Winnipeg. And it's still just, couldn't play most of the season anyway for other reasons. Yes, between being awful and his heel clearly not being 100% and a head coach that was clearly fine with letting him play not 100% despite playing so badly. But we've talked about that. Anyway, so in addition to other offseason news, uh, here are some quotes from Amanda Stein. So this is from a New Jersey Devils employee. Mm-hmm. Here are the quotes that uh, Fitzgerald, because Fitzgerald did talk about the three major restricted free agents the Devils will have to re-sign. Uh, Jesper Bratt, Miles Wood, and Pavel Zocket. I want, I want everybody to play the Sesame Street game of which quote does not belong. So here's the quote on Jesper Bratt. Quote, we need Jesper Bratt in our lineup. End quote. I think safe to say, Dan, he's coming back. I think everyone in the world agrees with that. Correct. Uh, For Miles Wood, quote, when you don't have a Miles Wood in your lineup, that type of player, it hurts. So needless to say, Wood, despite the fact he played all of two games last season, missed most of the season with a hip injury, which guess what? He wasn't 100% back in coming back for those two games for his own admission during the breakdown day. Like I would rather have Miles Wood than Mason Geertsen if they're going to do the same thing anyway. Well, Miles Wood can play hockey at the NHL level. Right, right, exactly. At the NHL level. So but for, for what Fitz is talking about, I think he meant the uh, little bit of locker room character grit that Wood brings and not so much the hockey because they have a bunch of players in the lineup who can play hockey at least as uh, well as Miles Wood. Well, the record belies that, but never mind. I see your point. Yeah. But here's the quote about Pavel Zaka. Okay. I have to look at the big picture at how we're constructing this team where Pavel fits, we'll go through that process. What we need, does he fit? But he's a really good player. He got quote. <laughs> yeah, this is pretty much which. <laughs> yeah, the other two are really straightforward. Yep, he's our guy. We need this guy. We got to get him back. Zaka, well, we got to yeah, talk out. about this. See <laughs> yeah, Zaka's, oh. uh, yeah, if you're a Zaka fan, um, I have a suspicion he is going to be dealt at some point. Or if he gets re-signed, it'll be a very short contract and he'll be, he will be on the trade block for pretty much all of 2023 if it comes to that. I mean, here's where I'm at. At sixth overall, first of all, I'm happy that the Devils don't have sixth overall again because I just have such a bad taste in my mouth after seeing what happened with Zaka and seeing what was available after him. But oh, yeah. at sixth overall, you have to be better than he has been. And to me, like in terms of the value the Devils lose, this is not someone who is irreplaceable. And my biggest concern is not his production or anything like that. It is legitimately how Nico and Brat will feel with him not being there since they seem to be close, but I'm pretty sure they'll get over it eventually Yeah, when they have someone who can actually, I don't know, finish a play. Well, Zarka can finish a play. He, he just doesn't do it consistently. He's effectively Victor Kozlov 2.0. Yeah. A guy that you will sometimes on a shift or, you know, in a period or maybe even a game, he'll look, he'll, he'll look strong. He'll be, very assertive on the puck. He'll take initiative. He'll make good plays, good passes, good shots. And you go, this is good. He's good. 
And then the next game or the next shift or the next period, it's like, where are you, man? Can you do something? Help me out here. Like this is a guy who was a top tier penalty killer and was not a major part of this year's penalty kill. If, if Wierenski, that's, that's Barzal, hard. like uh, who else was after him, right? It, it's Wierenski, Barzal, was Timo Meyer after him too? Or was that Timo Meyer, Miko Ratnid. Do you want me to go down the whole list? There? No, no, I don't need the whole list, but my <laughs> point is more like, you better be finishing at more than a sometimes rate if all those guys are going to be after you and you want yeah. to remain with the organization that took a chance on you at six. And like, that's the point where the devils they're at sunk costs. Like there's nothing they can do to get that or recoup that or change what that pick was, but they have to realize that like in a vacuum, no matter where you drafted him, it's just not working out the way you would intended it to. No. And, and it gets even worse when you go beyond the, the Meyer, the Ratnan. If you go further down to Barzell, Kyle Connor was in this draft. Was DeBrusque uh, in this one too? DeBrusque was in this draft. Thomas Chabot is in this draft. Ilya Samsonov was in the draft. Brock and Besser, I'm not Travis here saying like, DeBrusque is like Bovillier. a world beater, right? He's not. No. But he's definitely providing more to the Bruins than Zaka has the Devils at most points. Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's that's the larger point here. Yeah. Uh, well, it could have been worse. He could have been Zachary Sension, but that's, well. that's, that's Boston's problem, not ours. Exactly. In any case, uh, let's go back to Tom Fitzgerald's press conference and let's talk about there were two big points here. One was short and one took up a, a lot of this conference. Mm-hmm. Um, Fitzgerald had a lot to say about Lindy Ruff and the quote unquote evaluations. He made it very clear that everybody, everybody himself included is being evaluated. He didn't go into who's doing the evaluations, how those evaluations are going. I mean, we know the results of two of them, like uh, Mark Recchi and Elaine Nazardine. Is it a Blackhawk style internal evaluation? We'll, we'll really take a good look at this and make changes that we need to, or is it like, a, you know, we actually have someone higher up looking at it and saying, well, this isn't working. I have no idea, but he did specifically say it's everybody, players, coaches, yeah. training staff, equipment, hockey ops. So this isn't just like, oh, we're just looking at, you know, coaches, we're just looking at players. Like they're looking at the backroom staff. They're looking at management. So, and again, I, I have no idea. It's a, whether or not this is a corporate style, your manager is doing a performance review and that's what this evaluation is mm-hmm. or whether or not somebody higher up in HSBE or HBSE, whichever the uh, word letters you want to use, mm-hmm. excuse me, uh, whether or not somebody was brought in to do that evaluation or somebody from the ownership level is being tasked to do that, but apparently and, and everybody's being evaluated. To, one has to wonder if everyone's being evaluated. You had the worst goaltending season in franchise history, and yet the goaltending coach is still sitting right there. Yeah, that, that's my uh, one of my takeaways. Now, but here's the bigger thing, Dan. This press conference was nearly 42 minutes long. The whole thing's up on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And based on the quotes, you know, Fitzgerald said, "Oh, you know." I, I'm going to be making uh, coaching decisions with Lindy Ruff. He is my partner. I brought him in. He was exactly what we needed two years ago. Um, you know, he specifically said that Hughes, Brett, and he sure were supportive of Lindy Ruff in their exit meeting. So he sure's no comment turned out to be maybe a nothing burger. Um, he says, oh, I don't doubt that Lindy has helped grow the young talent. You know, you can't ignore the progression. But Dan, mm-hmm. after all of this writing, all, all the quotes, I... You know, I, I had this one big question for you, Dan, and this is a question that was echoed by Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. So this is not some. This is just just me here, Dan. Yep. Dan, who is the coach for next season? 
Who is the coach for next season? Who's the head coach of the New Jersey Devils for 2022-2023? As it stands now, Lindy Ruff. That's the issue. As it stands, it's Lindy Ruff. At no point in this press conference did Fitzgerald say the magic phrase, Lindy Ruff is the head coach for next season, or Lindy Ruff will be the head coach, or Lindy Ruff is going to play out his contract. Something direct to say he is the head coach. We got everything of, oh, he's my partner. We're going to make coaching decisions together. You know, he's supportive. Cool. What is he? So all signs are pointing to him being the head coach. So how come he didn't just say that? I want to say cautious optimism. Here's, here's, here's my point. Like, I want to say that it is fit saying we do not know what's going to happen. And mere days after this press conference, the Islanders turned around and fired Barry Trotz, who is very, very familiar with Tom Fitzgerald. Like Tom Fitzgerald played for him. This is some a situation that did not exist at the time of the press conference. So maybe Fitzgerald was hedging his bets to say, well, listen, we can't just commit to this if something better opens up, because I still think there's some sort of semblance to at least keep Lindy around to make the kids happy, but like in a different capacity, because this right. presents an opportunity that just simply did not exist. And who knows, as the playoffs keep going on, who's going to be available? I think that's why he's not making any sort of hard commitment to this, because I think there's still part of him that um, is willing to entertain the notion of, well, if you want to be a partner of mine, why don't you be a partner in the front office? Why don't you get up into the executive suite from behind the bench? And now all of these opportunities post playoff have opened up. I think he's waiting to see who becomes available personally. Right. And I'll, I'll say up front that if Fitzgerald, he has to kick the tires on Barry Trotz. He has to inquire. He has to at least think about this because if he doesn't, that's almost a fireable offense. I mean, he has to send him an edible arrangement if you're asking me. Whatever whatever it takes. Edible arrangements are worth the money to get a head coach. Yes. Especially if he brings Mitch Korn, goaltending guru, because oh, he is also not coming back to the Islanders. And Lord knows the Devils could use a guru involving goaltending because Dave Rogalski is not it. But that, but Dan, I'm glad you made that point very clear because that's on along the lines of what I was thinking, and also on the lines of what Friedman and Merrick were saying because they were Friedman, being the hockey insider that he is, mm-hmm. did say that from his sources, other coaches he's talking to other guys, they were kind of baffled that okay, you fire Nazardine and Recky, why not fire the whole staff? Why are you keeping rough? Are you keeping rough? If Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, actual experts, actual guys who get paid real money real career making money to talk about hockey. If they don't know who, whether or not Lindy Ruff is the head coach next season, that in of itself is very telling. And I think you are right, Dan, that the possibility does exist right now that if a better coach becomes available, Barry Trotz from the Islanders. I know Bruce Boudreaux has been rumored to not come back to Vancouver, but they're going to try to decide that by this coming Monday. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this is the discussion considering the turnaround they had under him, but I'm not the Vancouver management. I'm not going to tell them not to make a mistake. Well, they've been self-sabotaging since 2011. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm okay with that. But that's the point. Like, if, if you're going to kick rough upstairs to the front office, make him a director of player personnel or something or some such, then why not just announce that now mm-hmm. and then begin your coaching search with Mr. Ruff as a consultant? But they're evaluating things, Dan. They're evaluating things. <sighs> Anyway, yeah, I mean, maybe again, they're evaluating maybe part of that evaluation process is seeing if there is a coach in the playoffs that they like more. Well, we'll see. We'll see what's happening. Um, but Dan, mm-hmm. 
The other big bit from this press conference, which is now relevant to the other big event that happened in the past week, mm-hmm. is that Tom Fitzgerald was specifically asked about the first round draft pick mm-hmm. because the Devils uh, finished mm-hmm. fifth from the bottom this season and their odds were going to either they're going to win a lottery for first or second or finish or they'll be drafting fifth, sixth or seventh overall. So the question was asked to Fitzgerald and he specifically said, I will consider looking into potential options with the first round pick. I could move the pick. Uh, I'll do whatever it takes to make the team better. So already we've got the fire being fueled for moving that first round pick further fueled by rumors coming out of Minnesota from the likes of Michael Russo and um, others in touch saying that the devils are already interested in Kevin Fiala, a player that Minnesota knows they're probably not going to be able to keep under the cap. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's uh, he's out of contract next season. That's a crazy suitor buyouts. Th- thanks to the preseason suitor buyouts and a whole bunch of other things that they've done. Um, yeah. I mean, Fiala had a better season than Jesper brought. So, I mean, anybody who's going to sit there and say, Oh, we don't need another guy like, uh, you know, another, you know, small European forwards like bro, this guy outscored Brat. Yes, yeah. you do. Uh, and before a few days ago, that was a very palpable and very, oh, yeah. uh, it seemed like the obvious option to trade down since there seems to be some some cavern between those top two lottery picks that are top three maybe picks. I think up to four, you can make a case for anyone in there to be um, interchangeable after one between two, three, and four. But after that, it, it wasn't anything worth hanging on to, especially for a team that could seek to trade down and didn't really need a lot of the available assets at that point. However, what happened was that the Devils, uh, again, had the lottery luck bounce their way, vaulting them up to second overall. And I think that changes the entire calculus of this. It does. It gives Tom Fitzgerald and the Devils a lot more options to play with because mm-hmm. now with the second overall pick, if they, because here's the thing about trading the pick, my, my general read on the Devils right now is I I'm getting the sense, especially now that Fitzgerald said in a press conference that Lindy Ruff is his guy. Um, if Ruff is truly the coach coming back and that's a legitimate possibility, it's, I would say it's the most likely possibility right now. Basically, Fitzgerald's job is tied to Lindy Ruff. Mm. The SS Fitzgerald has an anchor named Lindy Ruff. So if this anchor drags him down, then Fitzgerald's going with it. So I'm getting the sense that there's this real pressure of, okay, guys, you got Heischer, you got Hughes. Brat blew up big time. If, if, if you truly believe you're a goaltender away or you're a couple players away, fine. Go win some damn games. Go, yeah. go try to be a playoff team take a big step forward, especially now that he sure and Brad are 23 years old. They're in the peaks of their career. Hughes is about to enter the peak years of his career. You got to start getting value uh, on the ice and in the standings. Mm-hmm. So the, the concept of, you know, moving that first round pick to get a guy like Fiala or Timo Meyer or a player who could help you right away is very strong. And now that it's second overall, you can command more. It doesn't have to just be Kevin Fiala. It could be Kevin Fiala and a swap of first. It could be Kevin Fiala and a prospect. It could be even Kevin Fiala and, I don't know, Jesper Volstead. Okay, it probably have to be second overall plus yeah. something else. But the second point overall, is, Pavel Zaka. <laughs> well, the point is, is that you have more options and you have more to play with. More, you know, If Minnesota is going to trade Fiala, you know, the Devils offering second overall is going to be a lot more attractive than Ottawa offering seventh overall. That's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Likewise, as you just said, based on the draft class, you know, after Shane Wright, who is almost likely going to be first overall because Montreal needs everything and Shane Wright will give them a 
lot of help. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Devils can go in a lot of different directions with that second overall pick and not make a really bad one. Um, do you want me to break, quickly break down who those four players are? Um, yeah, so we're not going to talk about Chain right much because let's be real, he's going one. Uh, he should there, be going to one. There's yeah. no point, and if he's there, the Devils will take him. That there's no like. Oh yeah. If there's any sort of surprise, it doesn't matter that he's a center. He's best player available. If anything, he becomes a massive trade ship. Uh, yeah, I, I just I, I don't yeah. see Montreal not taking him. So who's available at two? We have a, a center, a couple wingers. What else do we have? All right. So the main four. I'm calling them the big four. Um, and by the way, Dan, we're going to start our prospect profile series later this month. So mm-hmm. you'll see, we'll get, go into more detail with these guys on the site. Uh, we've got, um, if you like your wingers to be big, strong men who have pro experience and most impressively Olympic experience, Jaraj Slakowski is your man. Six foot four, nearly 220 pounds at the age of 18 plays for uh, TPS and Liga. Uh, didn't produce a ton in TPS, but he did play over 14 minutes per game with them. And after that seven goal Olympics, which again, wasn't against NHL competition, but was heavily European uh, based pros. Um, you know, he put up seven goals in seven games for Slovakia, helping them get a bronze medal that I don't think anybody expected. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you can magically create a Kachuk brother to come to New Jersey somehow. Sokovsky is going to be your best bet if you want the the, the prototypical power forward. And uh, based on how he was playing after the Olympics, it, it, you know, the skill is real. So he's your winger option. Your center option who could play wing at the next level is Logan Cooley, who is uh, not so large at five foot 10 and 174 pounds, but Jesper Bratt is five foot 10 and about 174 <laughs> pounds himself. I think Jesper Bratt's pretty good, Dan. Yeah. Uh, why not go out and get another Jesper Bratt in Logan Cooley? Uh, seriously, he is one of these guys that's, he comes from the United States national team developmental program. Uh, he brought it at that level. He brought it at the world under 18s this year for America. Total offensive force when the puck is on his stick. He's great at shooting the puck. He's great at making reads. He's very quick. Um, many people are saying that, um, you know, he could end up having possibly the best career out of all the guys in the draft if things work out. Um, and yes, you could argue the Devils already have Brad. They have Jack Hughes. They have Dawson Mercer. They have Alexander Holtz coming up. But Dan, offensive uh, production and skill is always at a premium. Mm-hmm. So if you always want to take your quote unquote best player available, regardless of uh, need, regardless of position, Cooley could be the man at number two. If they're uh, worried about their goaltending situation, then they're going to have to outscore any goaltending problems they have. So this, this whole notion of shying away from offense, let, let's not. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be real with everybody. There's no such thing as too many goal scorers. There's no such thing as too many playmakers. Mm-hmm. You need guys to fill the net. Uh, simple as. You could always do that. By the way, Slavkovsky can do that pretty well, too, based on his tools. It's just a matter of he's growing into a bigger league mm-hmm. um, for his season. So don't don't diss Slavkovsky, but Slavkovsky or Cooley are your top forward options. But the Devils could go defense. Uh, Simon Nemich of Slovakia played for AK Nitra of, of the Slovakian league, 26 points in 39 games, 17 points in 19 playoff games. Uh, didn't produce a lot at the international level, but he did join Slikovsky at the Olympics playing on all seven games on the bronze medal team. Um, he's arguably the best right-sided defender in the entire draft class, mostly because the other option 
David Yurichek, uh missed most of the season due to a ligament injury in his knee at the World Junior Championships. Uh, prior to that, he was highly touted for his uh, his frame, his very aggressive play style. If you want your defenseman to be big, nasty boys, Yurichek uh, mm-hmm. could be a big, nasty boy out there. And he was a very smooth skater. Uh, the production never, didn't really come, but again, he is a defenseman. I don't know how H.C. plays uh in uh, the czech, czech extra liga performs but he d- was able to get in some games uh by the end of the season and uh he is he nemich and sakovsky are all going to play at the world championships that begin on may 13th which is tomorrow after this recording so if you want to check out these three of these four top guys that the devils could take it second overall you could see them excuse me you could see them play um, at the international level starting uh, on may for slovakia and the czech republic respectively mm-hmm. And I think, you know, based on Fitz's philosophy that he's shown us, I think he's really, really happy that Slavkovsky, that Slavkovsky is going to, you know, definitely be there for the Devils to draft. I think his fallback plan, no matter what happens with moving the pick or anything like that, is going to be to take that guy. That's just my read on the situation. I think Cooley is attractive, and I think it's nice to have another Jesper Brad, but I think... Also, they can see the value in that 6-4 dynamic power forward that the Devils are, quite frankly, missing. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, my misgivings with power forwards in general is that a lot of them, they look great at the level that they're playing at, or they look great for a period of time. But when you get to the NHL level where, you know, nobody cares if you're six foot four and 220 pounds. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you have a size advantage over a bunch of dudes. Great. But as we saw on Nico Heischer's fantastic goal in Dallas, you know, the, you know, Fabian Zetterlund gave up a lot of inches to Miro Heskainen himself, who's six foot four and 220 plus pounds. But the swole Swede basically occupied him for the entire play, boxed him out. And, you know, at that level, my point is that strength and willingness is way more important than whether or not you're just a big dude. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but, but I do agree that Slikowski is not just, you know, one of these guys that's just bigger than everybody at his age group. He is playing with men. He is playing, he did demonstrate his skill set at the international level in unfamiliar climbs. He did show signs of growth with TPS as that season went on. And he wasn't just playing like five minutes a night with them either. Even if he wasn't getting on the score sheet, you, there are plenty of clips of Slikowski taking on defenders, beating defenders, stiff arming them, going around them with speed. Like he, he, he's not just a guy who just goes, goes to the net and just bangs in a bunch of rebounds. Like he's a guy who could do a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in a sense, Lukowski is like the perfect storm for the devils in the, in that, yes, all the people who want the size, the beefiness, the strength, they get what they want, but guys like you and me that know that, Hey, you got to play hockey. You better have a strong skill set to hang at the next level. Well, Slikowski appears to have that too. Um, I'm of the opinion you always pick the most talented player available and you work out the positional issues later. But yeah, if you pick Slikowski at two, uh, it'll be fine. And if he blows up at the world championships uh, this year, um, don't be super shocked if we're starting to talk about Shane Wright slipping to two. Yeah, that's, that's the interesting part. But again, I I think that would be absolutely fine. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds great. Wright is being projected as a guy who plays like Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, you run to the podium and you take a pod, a guy who plays like Patrice Bergeron. This and what if the this Devils care science. if he's their saving center? They have two of those. He doesn't need to be. If he's playing like Patrice Bergeron on the third line or on the penalty kill, that's plenty good enough. It, you can always work out positional things later. Zach Parise was drafted as a center. 
played left wing with New Jersey. Patrick Eliash was drafted as a center, played played at wing for the majority of his career until the Devils needed a center. Pat Peter Sikora was drafted as a center, played wing his entire career with New Jersey. Positions change. Do not get so hung up on the fact that if they're being picked as a center now, that they're going to be a center for the rest of their lives. They're not. That's mm-hmm. life. And the players understand that. Just look at Dawson Mercer and Jesper Bokvist if you want to have some recent examples otherwise. Yep. Anyway, Dan, speaking of young players, mm-hmm. we have a bit of news this morning. Uh, minor news. Yes. Yeah, so uh, the Devils signed fifth round. Uh, fifth round? Yeah, fifth round fifth pick. Round. Um, oh God, what was it? Topias Villen. Villen. That's right. Topias Villen to an entry level three year deal. Um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, we, we okay. had no indication of this happening. We had no indication that this was on the way, but, um, you know, I don't know much about him, obviously. Well, let me tell you a little bit about him. Uh, Villen, um, uh, just briefly, this is just high level stuff. Uh, was drafted um, out of Pelicans of the of the Finnish Liga, played primarily for them uh, in his draft year. He played all 50 games with Pelicans uh, this past season and presumably was on a contract that was ending, which is part of the reason why the Devils uh, signed him. Clearly, they liked what they have seen uh, from him in terms of growth. And by signing him means that he could come over and play for Utica next season. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he's not particularly big. Uh, he does have some international experience representing the nation. Um, so, you know, he's definitely somebody to watch out for. He's a fifth round pick. So, I mean, I don't think the expectations are too high, but the timing of this is very interesting because the devils actually have to make some decisions very soon on some quote unquote, lower level prospects in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, and like we we talked about last week the decisions that they have to make on the rfas these are the guys who are entry-level deals are expiring or they have to get an entry-level deal or be released back into the uh the ether that is the rest of the waiver wire well they have to be well they'll become free agents uh in most cases oh, but you, you are right but you are right dan there's some elcs that are ending include tice thompson's elc ends after this uh, season the swole Swede, Fabian Zetterlund, who I think earned an NHL yep. deal, his ELC ends uh, this season. Je- Jesper Bokvist's ELC ends um, as well. But the bigger thing is on their reserve list. So here's the thing, everybody. When you draft a player in the NHL, you're drafting their rights. You don't, those rights, some of them have limits. Most of them do. If, if they're drafted out of, say, Russia, they're, they're indefinite because there's no transfer agreement. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other European nations, college players, major junior players out of Canada, they, there's limits. You have you have until a certain date until you have to sign them. A couple co- a couple guys in the system, uh, the Devils are going to have to make some decisions really soon on a couple of these guys. And I just want to touch on them because they're guys that are not highly touted prospects. They may go away into the ether, as you said, Dan. But this is part of the business that the devils are doing. And that's part of the reason why when a guy like Valen becomes available, just if you want, if you think he has a future, lock him up now and then sort it out later on. Like, you know, it's not all just signing just for Brought and miles Wood, everybody. So th- there are three guys whose rights are ending as of June 1st. So literally less than a month from now, uh, three of them, uh, two of the three, I don't think are ever going to become devils. Uh, that's Benjamin Baumgartner who mm-hmm. uh, signed a, Contract through 2025 with Lausanne of uh, of the Swiss League a couple seasons ago. So even though 
yeah, he was an overage pick out of uh, Switzerland. He's actually going to play at the, I'm sorry, he's Austrian. Uh, he's going to play at the world championships for Austria. So technically he's part of the devils going to the world championships, but he's not signed. I don't think they're going to make the transfer to bring him over. You know, I think he, he was a seven, he was a six round pick. It was a flyer pick and it's not going to happen. Likewise, I don't have a lot of hopes for Etu Pekila, the seventh round pick out of 2018. Uh, he signed a four, I believe a four year contract with Ilvis of the Liga a couple of seasons ago as well. Uh, his rights end in June. His contract doesn't end until 2024. So again, I think he's uh, his time in the organization is done. Yarmir Pitlick, on the other hand, mm-hmm. his, his is a more interesting case. He was a fourth round pick in 2020. Um, his rights end this June because he was drafted out of the OHL. He played for Salt St. Marie of the OHL when he was drafted in 2020. However, um, he has not played for them ever since. Uh, mm-hmm. He was loaned to Czechia. Uh, for a couple games back in 2020, 2021. And then this past season, uh, he signed a deal or rather he got, let me make sure I got this right here. He got, he got signed to Kalpa of Finland of Liga. He got loaned to IPK of the Mestis. And then he got transferred to Ritri Klado of the Czech league where he played most of the season. So his contract does end now like he, he may be out of contract literally right now so don't be super shocked if you see over the next couple of days the devil signed yarmir pitlick to an elc uh however if the devils don't feel that he's progressing they don't think he has much of a future then they'll just let him you know go as of june 1st and yeah, then he'll yeah. become a free agent he'll i don't know if he'll necessarily have to be redrafted but he'll become free agents and in addition to that dan because I'm not done yet because there's a couple more guys to keep in mind. And I just want to throw out, like we had heard nothing about Valen before the re-signing happened. We haven't heard a thing about Pitlick. We really only hear about the prospects that are playing in Utica right now, I would say. Exactly. These are going to be one of those things that you're one random day next Wednesday, you'll see like, Oh, we signed this guy to an ELC. Like, yeah, it's unless it's broken by a total insider of the club because every club in Europe is pretty much done for their season. So you know, it'll be definitely out of nowhere news, but it'll be minor news, but it's news. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I do want to highlight a couple more guys because the 2023 uh, rights are ending for Case McCarthy and Patrick Moynihan on August 15th because they're college players. And the trend we have seen with college players, Dan, is that you try to get you try to sign them before they hit their senior year, mm-hmm. which is what the Devils did with uh, Riley Walsh. They did this with Tyce Thompson. So Case McCarthy and Patrick Moynihan are entering their senior years. So don't be super shocked if the Devils sign one of those two instead of letting them go all the way to their senior year, because the risk is real. If they blow up and have a great senior year and get some interest from other teams, they may opt to not sign with the Devils next year, mm-hmm. go become a free agent on August 15th, and then sign with somebody else. So don't be super shocked if you see a McCarthy or Moynihan signing over the next couple of months as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't really... I don't really know what they would be for, except for the fact that the Utica players who are having so much success this year are probably going to be taking more than a few of the lineup spots from the Devils that were very ineffective this year. So they'll have an opportunity in Utica, maybe at most. I don't really see how they're going to push past all those guys that are that basically came up at the end of the season that are going to be very actively looking to solidify spots on the roster next year. Exactly. I mean, for, you know, McCarthy is a defenseman. I mean, the team has just added Muhammadulin. You know, so that's one spot in Utica taken. We have no guarantees that the Devils are going to take any of the Utica defensemen 
that are currently yeah. with the team. So, you know, do you want to add McCarthy and send him to Adirondack just to get him to play? I don't know if that makes sense. Um, and it's not like Hughes is coming immediately next year. No, he's playing for Michigan next year. So he's another mm-hmm. guy. And if, and when he does, I'm sure the devils will give him every opportunity to make the devils as opposed to the comets, but yes, we shall see mm-hmm. uh, when that happens, but that's, but Moynihan, he is a forward. He has actually been doing pretty well for Providence since Tice Thompson left. So not exactly off the wall, crazy good, but you know, not bad for Providence. So there is a there's maybe more of a logic to say let's lock him up before he gets uh, gets word from somebody else that might like him and uh, throw him into Utica because there's always going to be more of a need for forwards than there are defensemen. Ugh, it just it's such a shame because I'm watching the playoffs now and I see student each playing for the Stars and I was like ah ah there's a guy that could have been decent. Well, that's why you don't keep guys like Mason. Prospective guys. I cannot like believe how damaging his presence was to this entire devil season. Well, thankfully, Dan, he is not with the Utica Comets right now, as the Utica Comets are in the playoffs playing meaningful games. However, one could argue they could use him since they're playing Rochester. Mm-hmm. And uh, those two teams played each other something like 12 times in the regular season. <laughs> They are not fans of each other. Uh, no. You can look at the box score of game one and uh, the end of the second period has a couple double minors for roughing. Uh, the end of the game had uh, three misconducts handed out due to a Malay at the end of it. End of it. The Utica Comets won game one, six to three, which is heavily important since it's a best of five, not a best of seven mm-hmm. for that round. So winning that first game was important. Um, they're going to play games two and three back to back this coming weekend. So we shall see how much or beef is on the menu. Uh, hopefully some wins for the comments just to knock out the Americans and move on in the Calder cup playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to be ugly in upstate New York for a little bit there, but uh, we wish all the luck to the Utica comments. The further they go, the more used to big stakes the players on that team are. And the majority of the players on that team are players that we'll see in New Jersey over the next couple of years, best that they get used to this feeling now um, so that they don't look completely out of the, you know, lost in the woods when they face a more experienced team in the playoffs, which up until yesterday was absolutely the case for the, uh, the New York Rangers. But uh, <sighs> throw a couple of elbows and knock out the most experienced captain in the playoffs. And there you go. So that all being said, uh, we're obviously watching the playoffs as they develop. Just a quick update, there has been, as of recording, one completed series, and that's the Colorado Avalanche sweeping former Devil coaches John Hines' uh, Nashville Predators in a series that was not ever going to be particularly close, and it was even less close than people thought it would be. People Nashville, thought it would be a sweep, but they didn't even realize it would be this dominant of a sweep. Well, I think the expectations were set for that when they when it was found out that Juice Soros was uh, injured. And guess yeah. what? Nashville's needed Juice Soros to stand on his head to have a chance in that series. Yeah. And um, Connor Ingram and uh, David Riddich are not Juice Soros. So yeah. Nashville led for exactly four minutes and 57 seconds in the entire series. And every single other series is at 3-2 right now. Um, yeah. Everyone is uh, potential. Well, no one else is done, right? So no, nope. every everyone is. Unfortunately, Pittsburgh did not uh, do it for Domingue. I don't uh, think they'll do it at all anymore. I think they're done now. <laughs> they'll be. They're going to win Game Six. I'm not uh, guaranteeing I think it. Without Crosby, it's going to be very, very difficult. 
Well, it could be worse. You could be a Washington Capitals fan who was up three nothing in an important game uh-huh. five in, uh, against in Florida, and then the mighty Carter Vergehi decided I'm going to drop a five point nine on you guys and lead a lead a lead a comeback. To uh, I would talk so much three. more smack about that if the Devils had not done that exact same thing to the Florida Panthers, but they were instead of four goals. Yeah, but the, this is the playoffs, you know. It, and also, the Panthers have done to everyone this year. Yeah, but you know, playoffs. You're up three nothing in, in the third period of a playoff, a crucial playoff game. Yes. Win the win the dang game. Anyway, Dan, that's all we have for the Devils so far. I'm mm-hmm. sure we'll hear some more minor signings along the way. Yep. Um, but this will probably be the quiet part of the offseason until uh, July starts running, coming closer because that's when the draft is. That's when free agency is. That's when decisions have to be made. Mm-hmm. We shall see what happens in the interim. Yeah, and as things change, we'll bring you updated news. Keep watching the playoffs and enjoying all of the action. Uh, the scores have been wild and disparate so far, which has made for a lot of fun. And hopefully they continue to be fun and we can all watch in a relaxed fashion when the Penguins defy all odds and eliminate the Rangers in Game 6 without Sidney Crosby. That all being said, thank you all for listening. We appreciate the time. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Garden State of Hockey. As always... Let's go Devils. Go Devils.